0: The easy button, there's no such thing as the Staples easy button as well. Sometimes some things are just hard. Sometimes some things really just take a little bit of work. If you want to see something get done, sometimes you have to do something about it. This is totally irrelevant to the message today, but maybe it's not. However, how many here, and I bet we could probably find out, how many here have ever played the game Red Light, Green Light? All right, how do you play the game, Mackenzie? You got your mouth full of food. Does Catherine know how to play red light, green light? Yeah, you do. How do you play it? Yellow, you slow down. How many believe that yellow means you slow down? And all the dads said, no, it means speed up, right? I can make it. Enough time. Just like the E on your gas tank gauge means enough, not empty, enough. <laughs> I'm still driving. It's not empty yet. But red light, green light. Who is in charge of who gets to go where when you play red light, green light? The person at the, at the front. They get to decide who goes and when you stay, right? So if I were to turn around and I were to say red light, you would what? You would stop. If I were to say green light, you would go. And what's the objective? You want to try to tag me, right? Is that how it works? Or they get to the front before they get you. Correct. The person who is it? It the person. The person is like the gateway. Well, today I want to talk about being a red light or being a green light for people. Now, I think there are many times where we have good intentions. But uh, sometimes how many know that good intentions aren't always the right answer or the best for the situation? Uh, All times, you know, good intentions, you know, they had good intentions, but it just failed. It just didn't work. It's not what the situation needed. And sometimes, I think some of us are red lights on purpose for whatever reason today. And as we get into this series today, as we get ready to head back to Matthew chapter 23 we're going to discover a group of people who became a red light for people coming to God. People that sort of hit the brakes and didn't let anyone get close to God unless they said they could. And so what we know is this, is that Jesus wants us to value our relationship with God more than he wants us to win. We sort of went there last week. Now, the 2004 Olympic Games... Did I mention this last week, the Olympic Games last week? I don't think so. I mentioned tennis last week. There was a man by the name of Matt Emmons who was one shot away, just one shot away of claiming victory in the 50-meter three-position rifle event. He didn't even need the bullseye to win. All he had to do was hit the target. It didn't even have to be a perfect shot. All he had to do was hit the target, and he would have won the gold medal. He had the event in the bag. The shot he made was a score of 8.1. He fired and he targeted in an unbelievable show of skill and talent. He was ready to step up to the podium. I mean, he ran well, he shot well. Everything he did was nearly perfection. But when they started announcing the medals, he soon discovered he wasn't first place, he wasn't second place, he wasn't third place. Although we know an Olympian, if they don't get first, nothing matters to an Olympian. They trained for a gold medal. He ended up in eighth place. World class, best in the world, ends up with eighth place. How did this possibly happen? Well, as it turns out, standing in line two, he shot down his lane and he hit the target, but he hit the target in lane three. He shot the wrong target. I think many of us In our attempts to get close to God, sometimes we start to aim for the wrong target. I think it's easy for us, when we get tired, when we get worn down, I think it's easy for us to become more interested in following the rules than we actually are interested in following Jesus. And as I read that, as I typed it on my notes, I felt personally convicted by it. Because sometimes it's so easy not even to follow the rules, but to give in to just the routine. This is how we do things. And we forget why we do the things that we do. And we just go in day in and day out, day in and day out. And we forget the real reason why we're even in this race to begin with. And then when we get comfortable in that that way of doing things and something changes... We get upset, we get angry, we start to get bitter towards it, and then we become more about the rules and we do become interested in following Jesus. And this is the exact thing that Matthew chapter 23 talks about, as Jesus is having a conversation with his disciples and with the Pharisees and Sadducees that are sitting in front of him. And so this week and next week, we're going to look at some of the things that Jesus talked about, and he's going to talk about the word woe. Can you say woe? And it's not like, whoa, dude. It's like, whoa. woe is me. Whoa, as I said last week, it's one of those words that it is what it sounds like. Kind of like the word buzz. How would you describe the word buzz? You make the sound buzz. Same with the sound whoosh, right? I said I talked about Buzz Lightyear. His helmet does that whoosh thing. It's the same kind of thing. When you say the word woe, it means both a, a, a burden... But it also is a type of curse. And when Jesus says the word woe, it's like using one of these other words. It is what it sounds. It's not a nice thing. Faith and following Jesus. Believe it or not, if you don't get anything out of today's message, faith and following Jesus has always been about surrender, surrendering our heart than it is honoring our heritage or doing good works. Jesus does not expect us to be perfect. Does anyone here... Perfect? Besides my wife? No. Jesus doesn't expect us to be perfect, but what does he expect? He does expect us to be authentic. He doesn't want perfection from us. If he wanted perfection from us, he wouldn't have come himself. Because he knows that, and Romans tells us that all have fallen short, all have sinned, That the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Only Jesus is perfect. And so when we surrender our lives to him, we are letting Jesus be perfect, not us. And so when we start to make it about rules, we get tired of rules. Rules are something that we we can break. That was last week's message about breaking the rules. And Jesus says, look, it's more about the relationship than it is about the rules. It's more about surrender than it is about perfection. It's more about being authentic followers of Jesus. So, let's jump to Matthew 23 today and and go to start at verse 13. If you're there, you can say there. If not, I'm going to read it to you anyway. And this this is what Jesus says to the scribes and Pharisees and Sadducees that are sitting there, these big rule-making people. He says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees! All right, so Jesus is now talking to the most powerful religious people in that community at this time. And this is what he says. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. And this is what he calls them. Hypocrites. Okay. So imagine I'm, you know, uptown. I'm sitting there with Father Terry, and I'm, we're, we're having a conversation. We're teaching people about the Bible, and Jesus walks up and he says, Woe to you, Pastor Gary. Woe to you, Father Terry. You are hypocrites. Okay, imagine the reaction of people when they hear that their pastors and their priests are being called hypocrites. Imagine that. It's the same idea, Jesus sitting there with his disciples in the crowds, looking up at these people in their high chairs, and Jesus calls them out, calls them hypocrites. This is what he says. For you shut the kingdom of heaven in perfect faces, for you neither enter yourselves nor allow those would yeah, I can't even talk. <laughs> for you neither enter yourselves nor allow those who would enter to go in. Simply put, they made it nearly impossible for people to come to God. When, in fact, their job was to make it easy, to provide a way for people to come to the Father. And Jesus calls them out and says, you hypocrites, you're not letting people come to God. You yourselves are not entering the presence of God. They taught that God's favor and salvation was something to be earned, not just by keeping God's laws, but by keeping a bunch of other laws they made up. Now, how many know that when you set a new rule, you have to sort of create a set of rules to keep that one rule, right? So I, I love the idea of boundaries and guardrails and highways because it's the perfect analogy. We know that there's a cliff over here. and We've got a lot of drop-offs off the side of our highways around here. And we know that if we don't want people to go over that cliff, what do we got to do? We got to put up a guardrail. Well, if we don't want people to hit the guardrail, we should warn them that the end of the road is coming, or at least that there's a change, and so we put a patch of gravel beside the guardrail. So that way, at least if a car hits the gravel, they know that the edge of the road is coming near. And so, but we don't want people to get into the gravel because if they're going fast, they hit the gravel, they're going to lose control and end up off the cliff anyway. And so what do we do? We put a white line on the highway. So now we have three sets of rules or three stages before we actually get over the cliff. And that's exactly what these religious leaders were doing. They were putting barrier after barrier after barrier in front of people to try to keep them from getting to God so that they themselves could be more powerful and more holy on their own. For example, they would take the law, remember the Sabbath day, and keep it holy. That was God's law. That was God's rule. Why did God create the rule of the Sabbath? Because when God created the earth, what does it say he did on the seventh day? He rested. He created the Sabbath as a moment and as a day of rest. He says, look, you're going to work hard six days a week. How many here love the five-day week now? Two-day weekend. Wow. You know, when COVID was, when they were starting with stuff, they they proposed that they go to a four-day work week. How many would be, you know, in love with that idea? Four days a week. You know, what happens? Why don't we just not work at all, and just give people a bunch of free government money to stay home and not work at all. <laughs> I shouldn't make fun of people that need help. Uh, but it's true, right? We, we, we love to not work. And Jesus actually says, here is a day in the week where I don't want you to work. I want you to rest. I want you to be together as a family. So work a little bit harder Saturday Collect a little bit more food Saturday, so that, or I guess in this case Friday, Jewish culture, the Sabbath is Saturday. Work a little bit harder the day before so that you can have a day of rest. Well, things got a little out of hand. Instead of just saying, okay, you can't work on the Sabbath, they would say things like, well, if you throw an object in the air, I'm going to try this. If you throw an object in the air on the Sabbath, you can't catch it with the hand that you threw it. You have to catch it with the other hand. So, I want to have a drink, and for whatever reason, I throw my bottle in the air, I have to catch it with this hand. But if I catch it with this hand, all of a sudden I've broken the rules because now I'm working on the Sabbath. And you think I'm making this stuff up, but I'm not. It's actually where juggling came from. No, I'm kidding, it's not. I'm teasing. That part's a lie. But these were the kinds of rules that they put in place. And you couldn't move a chair on the Sabbath. So I got the stool here. Oh, you know what? It's Sunday. Can't work. Can't move the stool to where I needed to do. All of these ridiculous rules, it made it harder to honor God and rest. It was more work to rest than it was to actually just sit there and rest. That is like my personality to a T. I have to like do all these complicated things to accomplish one simple little task. You know, if there's a hard way to do it, I'm going to find it, okay? I'm going to do it that way. My wife is nodding her head in agreement with me today. Jesus spoke so strongly to these rule-loving leaders because he knows that when following becomes more about the rules, people tend to walk away from both. When following Jesus becomes more about the rules, people, one, stop following Jesus, and then they start breaking the rules, and they're, just, they're gone forever. They just lost, walked away, done. When people start associate, associating following Jesus with following the rules, they walk away from both because it's impossible. It's too hard. Why would I want to do all this stuff? You're just telling me all the things that I cannot do. And Jesus didn't come to tell us what we can do. Jesus came to give us a life of things that we can do. When we truly learn to follow Jesus and find that obedience actually comes from inside out, submission to what God wants of our lives flows a little bit more naturally because it flows out of relationship. It becomes this desire to want to do good things. When we actually get close to God and we let God inside of our hearts, when we actually surrender to him, not because someone told us to or gave us a process and steps to follow to do that, but when Jesus actually begins to change our lives, we don't do the things that we used to do. The things that we, you know, we, we tend to put rules and walls up and say, don't do this, don't do that. There's a good thing, there's a difference between having boundaries and saying where the line is. And I think we get caught up quite often in saying, this is the line when in fact that's a boundary. We're not going to get into those today because it's going to create an argument and we're going to disagree. It's okay to disagree, but this is not the place to do that in this moment. We can do it afterwards. How does that sound? We can do it afterwards as we go to the bar and have a drink, right? There's something we can talk about. Boundary, rule, law. Good discussion there if you want a a good one. But how many here, if you've been married, you know that there's some rules when you get married, right? For example, on your wedding day, you make a vow to be faithful, to provide, and I'll use the husband role, and so I made the vow, I'll provide for my wife, I will be faithful to her, I'll protect her. But how many know when you get married, there's a few extra rules after you get home from the honeymoon, right? You might know what I'm talking about. like, put the seat down. Put the toilet paper this way on the. Put the toilet paper on the roll. Put the toilet paper on the roll the correct way. Make the bed. Have an opinion about which dress looks better of two exactly identical looking dresses. And you better get that one right. Know the right answer when she asks, I shouldn't say this one. When she asks you, does this dress make my butt look big? There's no good answer to that question. Always say no. <laughs> Always say no. Well, that's, now you're lying. You're lying. You're right here's here's the free marriage tip out there. Here's the free marriage tip. Always tell your, your wife she's beautiful. Always tell her that you love her. And if she likes hugs, hug her to death. Do you need a hug now? <laughs> <laughs> the moment we begin to see our marriage as a bunch of rules that we need to follow, you know, we do all of those things. We learn all of those things and I I grew up with a single mom, and so I already knew how to put the toilet seat down. I already knew how to fix the toilet paper because I had a mom who would kick my butt if I didn't. Okay, so my wife is blessed to have married me. Just leave it at that. (laughs) Uh, Anyways, let's let the pastor stop lying and get on with it. But how many know in marriage, when relationships become about all the rules, what starts to happen? We start to get bitter about it. We intentionally will not put the toilet paper back. We will intentionally start to do things to irritate our spouse because it becomes more about the rules than it is about the love and the passion and the commitment that we have towards our spouses. When we are so madly in love and we've made a commitment to somebody, you know, there are sacrifices that we make. Even We do things even if we don't feel like doing because we know it's an act of love towards our spouse. We would do whatever we had to do to please them. Not because it's going to get us brownie points, but because we know it's going to make them smile. We know it's going to make them celebrate. We know it's going to make them feel all warm and good inside and out. It's the signs of a healthy relationship. Like, I love when my wife brings me treats. And, like, good treats. Usually when she works night shifts... I don't sleep very well, so I work late, or I watch a movie, and she I know she loves me when she brings home treats for me before she goes to work at night. Now, it sounds ridiculous, but I feel so much love, and I'm so excited when she brings home uh, those OMG treats, those are really good, uh, some sort of chocolate bar, some sort of bag of chips, you know, the food that you really shouldn't eat very much of, so if the pastor gets fat, you know Elizabeth's worked a lot of nights, whatever. So, relationship when it's done right, when relationship done right on the inside, relationship on the outside will follow. You know, I talked last week about the word hypocrite, and in classical Greek, I want to see if I can say it in the Greek word uh, hypocrite. I can't say it. Hypocrite. You can look it up later. Uh, but I told you, a hypocrite is an was uh, typically a Greek word for an actor in a play, and sometimes they would play many roles, and they were referred to as hypocrites because who they were on stage was not who they really were. It's not like they would finish the play and walk around town pretending they were still that character. And so and as I was writing this out, I was thinking of the, the Avengers Marvel Cinematic Universe movies. And I thought, you know, if, if we invited Robert Downey Jr. to come to church with us here in Terrace Bay, and we said, uh, you know, we started interviewing him, I don't think he would talk to us as if he was Iron Man. He would talk to us as if he was Robert Downey Jr. Now, maybe they're one and the same. They're pretty close. But if we had Tim Allen, I mean, he's a class clown anyway, but he wouldn't show up here as uh, Tim the Tool Man Taylor, for those of you who can throw back to Home Improvement. No, he'd come as Tim Allen, and that's what we would expect. Or he wouldn't show up as Buzz Lightyear for... That's a lot of Buzz Lightyear the last few weeks in the messages. I, must, I should probably watch Toy Story with my kids. But we wouldn't expect him to show up as a Space Ranger. No, we'd expect Tim Allen to show up as Tim Allen. But yet, Jesus uses this word, you hypocrites, and you probably understand what a hypocrite is, but here he says to these religious leaders, why are you sitting up there in your high chairs pretending to be somebody you're not? You're standing up there pretending to be somebody you're not. You make it so difficult for people to come to the Father that they're not even willing to find God anymore. They're not even getting to God anymore. Following Jesus should not be that difficult. It should not be too much to bear. Following Jesus should not be a burden. The only time it should become hard is when we start getting persecuted. Or we start feeling the temptation. We should never begin to feel conviction. We should never be able to feel condemnation. Or I shouldn't say conviction. We should feel conviction sometimes from the Holy Spirit. But we should never feel guilt. We should never feel shame. We should never feel condemned following Jesus you know it's going to be hard there's going to be people that are going to tease us make fun of us cut off a relationship with us because we choose Jesus but rules shouldn't make it hard for us to follow Jesus you know Pharisees were tasked with taking the Old Testament teachings they knew it they memorized it from the age of 15 they knew the entire Old Testament they were charged with making these teachings relevant to life situations And so Jesus confronts them with these issues. And in verse 8, he says, but you are not to be called rabbi, he says to his disciples. He says, for you have one teacher, and you are all brothers. Jesus is essentially saying, look, we're leveling the playing field here. Verse 8 of chapter 23, he says, I'm not going to give you a title because we all stand equal at the foot of the cross. We all need Jesus to the same. We're not more holy than somebody else. Pastor Gary, even though I'm standing on the stage, is not more of a Christian than you are. You either are a follower of Jesus or you aren't. Maybe some of us are on that journey. Maybe we're not quite there, but we either are or we aren't. There's no hierarchy now. We, we, We set up systems in place to organize and leadership all this and that. I get it but I am not more holy, I'm not more spiritual, I'm not more special, I'm not closer to God. If I'm closer to God than you are, it's because I've taken the time to spend in relationship with him. That's it. You can be closer to God than I am. If you, you know, if you want to be close to my wife, what do you got to do? You got to spend a lot of time with her. I'm closer to my wife than anybody else. If you want to get close to God, get close to God. I am challenged as a pastor because and as, as, as board members, you know, it's our job to make sure we're not putting barriers up. Are there policies that we put in place? Are there practices that we do? or the, the way we do things Sunday morning and every, all of this and that are the things that we put in the way of people getting close to Jesus because if they are, we got to get rid of them. And sometimes it's so easy to become blind to those things. And unless someone says something or we actually take the time to evaluate, we never really know if we're becoming a barrier. Are we focusing too much on the wrong thing? Are we aiming for the wrong target? You know, personally, am I working to follow the rules and make myself look good because I'm a pastor or am I really, truly, madly in love with Jesus? You know, we put ourselves by choice under the authority of Jesus. We might as well. He's going to rule the world at the end of the, at the, end of the age anyway. He's king forever, so we might as well. But for this season, he's given us the choice, and I choose to surrender to Jesus. I choose to make him king over my life now before it's too late, before I don't have the choice. You know, there's a a verse in Revelation, and we use it all the time in a salvation message. But the truth is, is is what happens is there's this church... And they're doing things the way they've always done them. They think they're doing things well. And if they were to look around the room, they would discover that Jesus wasn't even in the room. And Jesus says in Revelation, he says, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice, will they let me in? This is the church. He's supposed to be at the center of what they're doing. And he's standing outside knocking. Tell you what, if we are not about Jesus, if we are not about the kingdom of God then what are we really about? What are we really about? Now, we don't have all the answers all the time. But I believe that God gives us a vision. I believe that God fills us with hope. He fills us with his love. And he says, now go and be my disciples. He says, I'm going to send you the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to give you purpose. I'm going to give you things to do. And you will clearly understand what the next step for you is. And so this morning, as we, as we leave from this place, I would love for us to take a minute. Maybe Elizabeth can come and just play that song again, Here I Am to Worship. But I would love for us to take a minute, as she just plays that song, for us to think on our own lives, one, are there things that I am doing in my life that keep others from coming to know Jesus? Are there things in my life that people now cannot see Jesus in me? Are there things in my life that, you know, I know that I'm supposed to be full of his love, but do people really see the love of Jesus inside of me? Do they really see his power working through me? And I would love for us to take a minute and reflect on this question today. Jesus values seeing lives changed. Not to create a bunch of rule followers, but to build a family of believers. I want us to pray for the ones that burden us most. You know, maybe we're not the barrier. Maybe we're not the boundary. Maybe we're not the ones putting the rules in place. But we see a loved one. We see a friend. And no matter what we do, no matter what happens, they can just never make that decision to follow Jesus. They just... They seem so lost, there's no way forward for them. As we take a minute this morning and listen to this song, why don't we begin to pray for that person? Maybe, maybe things are really going really well in your life spiritually. You know, you think there's, I'm doing everything that God has called me to do, and that's amazing. So why don't we begin to pray for someone who can't come to Jesus? So why don't we bow our heads, why don't we close our eyes if we're able to, and Just listen to the kids play and giggle and laugh and pray for our kids today that we would do everything possible that they would know Jesus.